We're talking about prayer, and we're talking about it in our life groups, and you guys hopefully are enjoying that. Uh, it was great. We kicked ours. It was some of you guys have done two weeks. We did one in our Tuesday group. We did one with the 20s last week. Now we're on uh, session two, and we're talking about different prayers of the scriptures. And one of the things that challenges us all the time is this idea that we've been asking God for something over and over and over, and we don't see the results. And you see this addressed in many ways in Scripture where Jesus talks about keeping on praying. Uh, and you see this uh, in places in the Old Testament. And one of the places is, is this passage in Samuel where um, there's a man who has two wives and you see two wives in, in the Old Testament. You don't typically see that in the New Testament because the New Testament focuses more on talks about a husband of one wife or one woman kind of man and so it so here's the story this the um, Hannah uh, is one of two wives and uh, she's barren she can't have children and in in and they actually use the term that the Lord closed her womb and and in uh, at that time for a woman not to be able to have a child it was seen as judgment on her Okay, and your children were your social security system. They were the way that when you got older, you were taken care of. And they were seen as a blessing from the Lord. And, and so the other wife, uh, who we won't mention, but she would, she would harass Hannah because Hannah couldn't have children, and she had children. And so Hannah just kept pouring it out to the Lord, just crying out for years and years and years that she could have a child. And, and so they, uh, once a year, would go up to the temple, and they would, they would um, make an offering, and her and her husband, and, and one of these times, uh, it says this. It says in verse 10 of chapter 1, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. That was what they called, you can see it in the Old Testament, a Nazarite vow. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, and that's, this is the priest at the temple, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. And she says, Not so, my Lord. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And then Eli, the priest, said to her, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. And then it goes on, it says, And she said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. 
there is a, a, a real pro power in prayer, and you and I know this. Some prayers we pray, and they're just more of our words, and other prayers, they, they're these deep cries of our heart. We, we, just, we just have these parts of us that just cry out, God, please move, do something here. And you probably have some of those right now. Some of you are praying for people in your lives. Some of you are praying for healing. Some of you are praying for a loved one who doesn't know Christ. And you're praying this deep prayer from your heart saying, God, please move. And that's exactly what Hannah did. She prayed from her heart. There's nothing wrong with praying from your head, right? There's nothing wrong with that. We prayed the Lord's Prayer. I bet most of you prayed the Lord's Prayer from your head, right? I mean, if, if you didn't have any food on your plate and you didn't know you were going to get your next meal, you might pray, give us today our daily bread with a bit of passion from your heart. When I did a mission trip a number of years back to Africa, I met guys that were very, very thin, and they sometimes would go three days without eating because they didn't have any money. And if you were in that situation and you prayed the Lord's Prayer, those words would say, give me today my daily bread. That's why I don't know if you know this, but in Africa, to be overweight is to be blessed. We live in a blessed nation, I guess, because that means you have food. The people that are desperately thin, they don't have food. And so they see a person that has weight as a way of uh, as seeing them as blessed. That's why a lot of the pastors in the church are treated almost like little chiefs, and they will eat first, and they will, you know, just people defer to them because they want their pastor to be blessed in that context. You know, our best prayers are prayers from the heart, and we need to, to realize that over and over and over, God does this to us so that we actually can engage heart and mind and spirit in prayer. And that's a huge gift from the Lord. I remember when I was in, in college and where, where I made a commitment to, to pray and fast, and I was, I was praying through a specific decision. And, and, and I remember that it, it was really weird because I said, felt like the Lord was leading me to fast and pray. And so I said, okay. And wouldn't you know it, that that would be steak week on campus? You know, like, oh, God. Why? I have to go forego steak week? I didn't know it was going to be steak week. We didn't have the internet, and you, would, you know, they would just publish it that week. And, but but there, that, was, that was what it was about, because he was saying, this decision that you're making is huge, and you want to hear me. So, of course, there's going to be a testing and a trial. And so maybe when you pray the Lord's Prayer and you say, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil or the evil one, because you can translate it both ways in, in Greek, that, that that prayer, because you're facing a situation and a testing and a trial, and that grabs your heart. And you say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. You deal with someone who's fresh out of rehab, 
and they have to face the exterior world. They've been in a little bubble, and, and I remember there was one young man years ago the, he, he was jonesing so hard after he got out of three months of rehab that he had, he had two sponsors and he would hit nine meetings a week. I guarantee you the prayer, lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil, was a prayer that he'd pray from his heart. And he broke through. He broke through. He found his freedom and his sobriety by the grace of God. So I got to ask you, where are you, what are you praying from your heart today? What does the Lord put on your heart? Is there a person? Is there a situation? Maybe you're moved by the wars and you're just saying, this is terrible. What moves your heart today? Maybe you're like Hannah and you can't have kids right now. And this prayer is just like, God, I just want to have kids. I'd like to have a kid. Would you break through for me? God loves our prayers and our prayers that are from the heart. And did you know that they, you didn't even have to speak them? You know that, right? You, you can think prayers. How many of you know you can think a prayer and pray it? Okay. If you want to point to chapter and verse, it's right here. It's right here. She was moving her mouth, but she could hear nothing because she was praying so deeply in her heart. That's why the Bible says you can pray without ceasing because you can have an engaging conversation with God when you're driving, when you're walking, even when you're in, in some meeting and the Lord starts to download something to you. It, you can pray all the time. And that's an amazing gift. Here's, here's the other thing that I love, that sometimes when we, when we pray, we need to leave it before the Lord. Did you know that? Sometimes when we pray, we, we, have, it, it, we feel like it's ping pong. Do you know, how many of you like ping pong? How many of you grew up at a ping pong table? I did too. We had a ping pong table. And so sometimes it's like we give it to the Lord and then we bounce it back, right? And then we give it to the Lord and then it bounces back. And Hannah... She went to the temple. She prayed. After she was done praying, she got up. She dried her eyes. And she walked away in peace. And, and there's this great verse in Philippians that, that, um, that really mirrors this. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you, see, do you see what that prayer says? That says that we can go to the Lord in prayer. And sometimes it can be long seasons of intercession. The, the Pentecostal uh, tradition, they talk about praying through something. And they literally would go and seek the Lord, sometimes for hours, until they felt like they broke through and they left it before the Lord, and then they would get up and go their way. And so the, there is this, this sense that, that when we are anxious, when we need the Lord, they, and the idea of anxious, I was, I was reading this commentary, he talks about the, the root can mean like pulled apart, torn apart. When we're feeling torn apart over something, the Bible says that we, we should pray and petition that to the Lord over and over, but not like ping pong. Once you give it to him, 
He has it. I remember Danny Myers preaching in this church, and he was our regional director. And Danny uh, was also a converted uh, New York Jew, and, and um, he, talked, he talked about it. He called it the great exchange. And he's like, he's like, we get to give God our worries. Boom. And he gives us his peace. Isn't that amazing? That we give God our worries, and he gives us his peace. How do you know? How do you know that you've actually left it before the Lord? Yeah, peace. I see some of you whispering. It's like this, the answer's right there. Like, it's not like it's an open book test, right? I mean, multiple choice. So, so when you pray, if you're going to be like Hannah, you pray until God gives you his peace. And when he does that, you know you've left it there. You know you've left it there. Some, some of you have uh, new drivers in your family, right? I, I mean, I, you, I remember when our kids learned to drive. I mean, it, it's crazy. When your kids start to drive, you're just like, oh, my gosh. So I was with a family the other day, and I didn't know this. Like, there's little apps you can, like, that you, can re- you can follow them. You can know how fast they're driving. Did you know that? There's these amazing apps. I grew up in the 70s. I thank God for the 70s. There were no apps to track us. There were no cameras to record our misdeeds. Thank goodness. Some things you don't want to relive, right? You're so glad you got away with them. Done. Now, there's cameras, and so, you know, and your parents come back, and they, and, and, and apps, and they're like, I was here. And they're like, no, you weren't. You were here. Do you want to see it? I took a picture of it on my phone. I screenshotted you. You were speed. They can even tell when you're speeding. That's the amazing thing. It's like, oh, my goodness. So um, what we do is when your kids start to drive, my kids start to drive, we just, that, prayers are just a natural part of that. As soon as they pull out of the driveway, you're just going, oh, Jesus, help them, you know, help them. Because we know that most kids, when they start to drive, or young people, when they start to drive, typically get into an accident in their first year. Now, Lord willing, not very serious, but usually they bump something, you know, da-da-da, do something. I was talking to one guy, and he's like, yeah, I, 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 I wrecked his, and he had this beautiful, expensive car. He goes, yeah, I wrecked it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Why would they let you drive that car if you're going to do that to it? Like, there's a reason you... It's like a starter house. Most kids have a starter car, right? And, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so prayer is a couple of things. What I want you to get is prayers from the heart. God, God gives us something great in there. He just hears those. And then there's a, there's a way to pray that you can pray until you have peace, and then you can know you've been heard, and you leave it before the Lord. And, and, and it's something that God wants to give every one of us. But... But then there's this other part of prayer. It's like when we pray, we get to also declare the truth about God and about who he is. And that's sort of the coolest part of prayer. But Hannah, after she, after she got her prayer answered, she, she said this psalm or a poem. And I just pulled a couple things out that she said. She said, she said, 
There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. She's saying God's immutable. He's, in, he's unmovable. Everything in our life moves. But God's our rock. We, he's our anchor. We can trust him. And, and then she goes on and she says, The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. And, and this is a hard one because the Bible says that every one of our days are numbered. Did you know that? Every one of our days are numbered. And if it's the Lord that gives life and death, that means a whole lot when we think, consider things like euthanasia. I lived for five years in the Netherlands where they practiced active euthanasia. You know, they, they now will let people terminate their life um, or the doctors will terminate your life when you're clinically depressed. In fact, we had a, uh, I was an associate pastor, lead pastor of the church, had a child which had a, a genetic disorder and they did not, and his wife was a pediatrician, they did not even want them to, to see that child. They just wanted to starve it to death. And she said, no, you put a feeding tube in that child's belly, and I'm going to take it home until it dies. And it lived three months. Little Abigail. And they didn't, they didn't even, I don't know if it's changed, but back then they didn't even record deaths under two years old. I mean, they, so that wouldn't even been considered euthanasia, just starving a baby. And in this country, this country, we... Uh, have actively um, killed babies in the womb for years, for years. I was watching one comedian, and, and uh, maybe you guys saw this. Uh, I don't, different people can watch different things, but, but uh, he was talking about abortion. And he's, he's, like, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, pro, I'm for abortion, but let me tell you, abortion's murdering kids. And he just, you're just killing children. And he actually called it what it was. And the weird thing is he was for it. And in Ohio, we have a, there's a bill coming up that, that they want to, if you pass the bill, it will put, I think it's from, from early on all the way, I don't think it has any limits, you guys should research it, to when you're allowed to abort a baby, kill a baby, and they're, it's not true? Well, okay, David, Dave, 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 we will talk about it. We will talk about it. Just wait. Dave, just wait. Just wait. Yeah. So, let, let Dave, David, just wait. I've, been, I read, I've read the bill, and I would encourage you to read, read the bill. So, different people have different views on it, okay? And, and, but we would be putting it in our Constitution. And, and so, you need to make an informed decision on it. And I don't get political, and don't take political sides, but you need to make informed decisions. Obviously, there are people that think differently, right? Um, but I know over and over and over that, that there needs to be these sort of checks and balances in our system. And so you and I have the privilege to to vote our conscience, okay? 
We have the privilege to vote our conscience. And so when you, when you watch the news, that's not the best way to go. I've actually gone and read the different documents on it. I've read the commentaries on it. And so I would encourage you to do the same. And, and who, how you vote is your thing. But, but, we love life. We love life. And we... And this, and, and this, this church has historically supported the unborn. And we used, to, we used to light candles and hold a candle representing, was it every, I was trying to see Carolyn, was it every thousand that the candles represented? Every thought, we had one candle for every thousand children that were aborted. Now, some of you have maybe gone through abortion, and some of you have, have done that, and this is not condemnation on your past. The, the Lord is gracious. He forgives us. There are second, third, and fourth chances. But please, I believe when the Bible talks about that it's the Lord's job to give and take life, and it's not mine, that that talks about the unborn, that talks about youth, euthanasia, and that we need to not argue with people, okay? But we need to be informed and make good decisions. So, enough said on that one. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. You know, Hannah was this humble servant, and she saw that the Lord looked at her in her humility and picked her up and gave her a child, okay? Gave her a child. There's one more that I want to go to, and it says this, those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. And, and one of the things that I, I wanted to end with is that Hannah understood that the Lord was a judge, okay? And that sometimes we forget that, that when Christ comes again, it is one of the greatest hopes of all of us. But there is a universal judgment. You know, the early Christian creeds that we confess when, when we baptize, we talk about the resurrection from the dead and life to come. But in that, there is a judgment that takes place. I remember N.T. Wright writing about this, and, and uh, in the early time of Jesus, they had two views of this. They had the views of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees believed that there would be a resurrection of the dead. There would be a resurrection and a judgment. Jesus sided with the Pharisees in this. The Sadducees believed that we would all just be dust, you know? And that's why they say they were sad, you see. But, but here, here's the thing. I remember, I remember N.T. Wright said this. He said, one of the reasons people didn't like to believe in the resurrection from the dead is that if you went out and killed someone... At the resurrection, you would have to face the person that you killed. And who would like that? Because back then, 
it was easy to get away with murder. There weren't cameras. If you were out in the, in the outside of a city, it, it, you, people got away with killing people. That's what happened. I mean, it was very much when I, when, when I was in Africa, I remember the same thing. The guys were telling me there's certain paths they walk, but at night, one of them told me about running for his life because these guys were chasing him. And he literally ran into a stranger's house and hid to get away from them. Because they could, they could kill you and get away with it because they, 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 it was just out of the city. And I thought that's exactly what they talk about in the Bible. But if there's a resurrection, there's a judgment. And you have to face the person you've wronged. So when we pray, we get to make wonderful declarations of who God is. You see that in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen? And we just say, God, you are holy. You are majestic. And before I ask anything, I'm going to declare your goodness. You're the giver of life. You're the one who lifts up the poor. You're the one who, who judges because there's nobody that can judge but God and that you are holy and there's none like you. And so let me just close in a prayer and say, Lord, we just, we just love you. We love you. And you are the giver of life, physical life and life eternal. And we don't have the whole picture, but you do. And so, Father, we ask that you would lead us in prayer, prayers from the heart, that we could truly give you our hearts. That you would give us the grace to do that great exchange where we give you our cares, our worries, our frustration, and you give us your peace, and we can learn to leave things at your altar. And then, Father, just keep expanding our understanding of you. Now, you're a rock. You can be trusted. You can be trusted in life and trusted in death. That you're the great I am. That someday you're going to come again and it's all going to make sense. And we thank you for that. So give us the grace to follow you. And we ask this in Jesus' name.